the Swelthy Podcast by Rx Sugar. That's sweet and healthy. Swelthy. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Swelthy Podcast. The fan appreciation and clamor for us to get back in the studio and do episode two has been astounding. Uh, so we couldn't wait to get back here and, and chat it up a little bit some more and, and talk about being sweet and healthy, swealthy, right? That's why we're here. So joined today, obviously, my co-host, my partner in crime here, Alexi Melvin is here. Alexi, say hi to the people. Hello, people. Thank you for joining us once again. Awesome. And we actually have a an esteemed guest with us today, so you won't have to listen to me drone on as much as last time. Uh, so I think everybody will be super excited about that. I am. We have, hey, 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 Alexi, come on, let the people decide. Uh, we have Mr. Ben Zeal with us today. So Ben, say hello to the, to the lovely folks at home. What is going on, everybody? Awesome. Thanks for ha- for being here, Ben. Uh, I'm gonna give a quick little intro about Ben, uh, and then I'm gonna let him reiterate everything that I just said, but in his own words, so they sound better. So uh, Ben is with us today. Ben is a uh, registered dietitian. Uh, ben is a certified uh, strength and conditioning specialist. Ben is also a type one diabetic, and he has been for over 20 years. Uh, he is actually a, a heavy, heavy consumer uh, of peanut butter. Uh, as am I, I, I join you in that. Uh, ben is uh, a Libra. Uh, ben enjoys long walks on the beach. In fact, after this podcast, I believe he will be taking one. Uh, he is an avid sports fan, and he is here to share a, a lot of his thoughts uh, about food, about fitness, about diet, about type 1 diabetics, and, and living with that for the time in which he has, and, and really just uh, share kind of his story with us. So, Ben, thanks for being here. Uh, what I miss? What I miss? You you were very thorough. You even got the beach part of it in there, and that I think was <laughs> the major major key. I'm very excited for this beach day. Awesome. I, I am I am a registered dietitian, like you said, strength coach. Had type uh, type one diabetes for over 20 years. I think it's almost 22 now, which is kind of crazy. And I basically just help people maintain their blood sugars while eating things that taste good because a lot of people think that that's just a complete impossible thing to do and ultimately make them or help them become their strongest version of themselves as well. That's awesome. Uh, So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're working on now and what what you're doing out there in the world? Oh boy. Well, the main thing is, is literally helping people with diabetes type one and type two to have those blood sugars. Cause a lot of times people will come, Oh, my blood sugar goes up really high. It goes down really low. I have no idea what's going on. So using nutrition, using exercise to help them really get control of their life again. So working with people doing that, have a little team that's getting assembled of other dietitians who are also in a similar boat so they can help me out. Um, so we can reach more people with the ultimate goal of helping 1 million people living with diabetes. So it's, it's very, very exciting, very lofty goal, but very exciting times. Do you have a time frame in which to help that or just at some point in time over the next however long? You tell me. I'd love to tell you about oh, five years, but I, I would like to say in a more realistic standpoint before I retire, I think that would be a good goal. I don't know when that's going to be either if I ever will. So I know I'm going to get to that million. I just don't know at what point. That's an awesome goal. And I love that. I love that. 
Alexi, you got questions. What have, do you got? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, Ben, we've, we go way back both in the, you know, T1D community. I already know how awesome you are, but I want everybody else to know how awesome you are. So let's just dive right into, so fitness and nutrition, right? It's, it means something very different to people living with type one or it can. Um, what does that, what does that mean to you exactly? What is, how does fitness and nutrition, um, how does that come into play specifically as a person with T1D? I mean, I feel like as a person with diabetes, obviously everyone talks about you got to count your carbs, you got to have your insulin, you got to have all these different things always circulating in your brain all the time. But they're making it a lot more complicated than it really has to be. A lot of times, if you really focus fundamentally on is your nutrition on point, do you have a way of eating that you figured out is best for your blood sugar? Not what's best for mine, not what's best for yours, but for that person's blood sugar. Do they have a way of eating? Do they know what type of exercise they enjoy? that is going to be pretty much what it's going to take to maintain the blood sugars without having to just rely on, Oh, let me just dial up some insulin and hope for the best. Right. So it's really, really, really key. And a lot of people realize that with diabetes, but a lot of people also don't. So I want to make sure that's definitely that message is out there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that think it's one size fit all and that's <clears throat> certainly not the case. Ooh. Yeah, I was going to say there, there's people on both extremes or some people are like, oh, you have to have a million carbs. Some people have to have zero yeah. carbs. And there's a, usually a happy medium where you find what is best for you. But that's the biggest thing I can emphasize is what's best for you, not what's best for someone else or someone else that's doing well. Right. And John, I know you're you're into fitness as well. Um, I know I, you I'm trying to be right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I've, I'm doing I'm doing my best. Uh, uh, Alexi and I were, were talking before this started. Uh, I'm going to turn 40 in almost 40 days. So I'm doing a, a whole challenge of 40 different things every day until I turn 40. Uh, uh, 40 minutes of exercise is one of those. And, and, and even within that, like, so I'm not a type one diabetic. I have plenty of challenges in maintaining a fitness routine and a regimen and keeping myself motivated and doing that. So I imagine there's probably a number of challenges for someone with T1D in, in maintaining fitness and starting fitness and, and keeping that going. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. And, and you make a great point, John, because a lot, a lot of people, people with type one are really afraid of even starting a routine right. because they hear, Oh, my blood sugar is going to crash really fast and that can be really dangerous or no one taught me what to do. And so I'm really, really fearful or nervous. And then they just don't. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is the longer you don't exercise, the more insulin resistant your body can become. And then when you do decide to exercise, your insulin sensitivity will increase so quickly that you are setting yourself up for a faster blood sugar drop. So a lot of times it goes into what you were describing where, yes, there's the challenge of staying motivated, the challenge of figuring out what you enjoy doing that you can stick to consistently. But in diabetes, you get that extra element of how can I make sure that this exercise isn't going to crash my blood sugar within the first five or 10 minutes? Or even sometimes if you're like, oh, I'm going to go on a three mile run, making sure you're going to be able to get through the run successfully or get through the workout without having to stop and fix your low blood sugar. And sometimes people have the opposite impact and it goes up and they freak out. So really figuring out how to dial that blood sugar in. And that's something I end up going over with everyone I work with is what is that protocol that's going to work for you to be able to keep the blood sugars relatively stable? Yeah. Right. And as just as a person with type one, we're sort of like told that cardio makes you plummet, makes your blood sugar plummet. And then 
more of a resistance kind of training makes you spike to the high heavens. And so if you're going into that with that fear, that's, that's, that sucks. You know, you don't want to go into yeah. any sort of routine with those sort of like, you know, conditioning in your mind. So. Cause I've got to imagine uh, on the flip side of that, you're saying cardio resistance training, all of those things, they've got to be healthy for me. Like they've got to help me out from that perspective. So then to have that kind of nugget of fear planted, in that that's got to make it so tough to just get started oh yeah and that's why a lot of people will come to me saying i don't know how to exercise and i haven't started because of that fear and wow. then you throw in the fact where like alexi said resistance training weight training strength training can make your number go up but there's times where it can make your number go down depending on what you're doing and so then if someone's expecting oh my number is going to be fine my blood sugar will be okay and suddenly it starts to drop. They're thinking, what just happened? What did I do wrong? And then that makes them not want to do it either. So right. it's really key of just having that preparation, having that plan to know, okay, if this, then that, and not getting super emotionally attached to it. Because that, I feel like people, they they take their numbers and they identify themselves with what their blood sugars are when the reality is, it's just a data point. You take the number, cool, I'm 136. It doesn't mean that my entire self-worth or whatever is 136. What do I need to do? What do I need to do to keep my blood sugar good here? Or what do I need to do to lower it if it's high or raise it if it's low and then move on? That's the big thing too. Mm-hmm. Now, are there, are there kind of standard go-tos that you start with when you talk with people or is it like you've been saying and, and kind of a theme running through here, is it just, it's super individualized for each person? I think it really depends on where they're at. Like if someone's never exercised in their life, then yeah, there's a good chance. Of course, as a straight coach, I'm going to tell them, we're going to start you out pretty slow, get you consistent, figure out what's going on and pay attention. What are you going to do before your workout? Is there going to be some sort of snack that you have? If there is ideally some sort of combo of carbs and protein would be best. The exact numbers, that's going to be the part that's dependent on the person. The other option is paying attention to insulin on board. Do you have insulin on board? Do you not? And ideally, the less you have on board, the less likely it is to come in into the picture and ultimately drop your blood sugar for you. So those would be two of the really big themes. The little nitty gritty is going to depend on the person, but just getting started, I think, is the key and knowing these are the things I need to look out for. So they're not constantly on your mind and you're looking around, you're on a treadmill. Oh my God, when's my number going to tank? You know? Right. Okay. And then sort of on the opposite end of that, when it comes to nutrition, as opposed to a go-to, are there anything, um, are there any sort of foods or nutrition practices that you sort of advise against right off the bat or even like, you know, mindset wise, are there things that you, you know, want to make sure people know right away they should avoid? And so I, I think part of my mantra with it is you don't necessarily have to avoid anything with diabetes. It's really just being smart and kind of like the preparation for exercise, having that preparation for whatever foods you're going to eat. You don't have to eat super, super, super high carb. You don't have to eat zero carbs a day. You mm-hmm. can eat somewhere in the middle. Do a lot of people tend to do better on low carb? Yes, but it doesn't fit into everyone's lifestyle. So people shouldn't feel like this is just a great, you have diabetes, it's your new diagnosis, and now you're signing up for a life of eating zero carbs or eating only carbs. Usually I just advise against extreme on either end and finding ultimately what is going to make you feel your best and let you have the best blood sugars possible so you can live your life and do the things you want to be doing. Totally. John, did you have any, did you want to jump in with anything there? 
Yeah, so listen, okay, I'm just going to ask this. Knowing that everybody is different, right? Like Mm. every person has got to find that happy place for them. What's for you, Ben? What's your recipe for success? (laughs) So in terms of how I eat, you're saying? Yeah. Okay. So I I tend to veer probably, I'm trying to think about technical terms because I was in the research world for a little while in nutrition and in diabetes and it was hilarious how they would classify like a low carb diet versus a high carb diet. They'd be like, oh, 40% of your diet coming from carbs or your calories coming from carbs is a low carb diet. I'm like, no, that's not. That's a lot of carbs. So it's really dependent on how much people are eating. For me, I'm probably on the little bit of the lower end of the spectrum for carbs. There are days where I'll definitely have more. I'll just prepare differently. But a lot of the times I dictate it based on what's my activity level going to look like. What is my training looking like and where am I in my training cycle to really determine the composition of carbs and fats? I tell people carbs and fat are like those cars that use gasoline or electricity. They're just energy sources. It's really up to you to pick the right combination of fuel for you. It's the protein and the calories that are super, super important. Got it. Got it. That's that. So, uh, I'm just going to ask another one real quick. Sorry, Lexi. No. Um, so, okay. So I know you do and tell me the percentage, uh, the percentage of your work with, with type one or type two diabetics is what? 99, a hundred percent. I would say 95. There's a few okay. people that come in like, yeah, let's do it. So, so here's a question. So, so I don't fall into either category and, and mm-hmm. I'd like to avoid falling in to that, that type, type, type two, two category. What mm-hmm. are some of those things that you would suggest to me just from an overall healthy lifestyle of, of staying ahead of that. Staying ahead of the curve. Yeah. I mean, I would for sure off the bat, and I mean, I don't know anything about your food background. Fair enough. You told Let's me, do it. you told me a little bit of your exercise background. I to- first. I, and I told you I eat peanut butter. I mean, that's, that's, that's I all mean, you got to work with. That, that's all. Just eat peanut butter <laughs> every day with protein powder. You're good. It's over. Take a multivitamin. <laughs> you're good. No, but the, the reality would be on the exercise front, something. I don't really care what I prefer if at least twice a week, and this is just the most basic of recommendation, twice a week at a minimum, you're doing something strength related. At least twice a week, you're doing something cardio related. That's like actually getting your heart rate up, not just walking around. Having a baseline of this is how much I walk around per day would also be useful. Um, But from a food perspective, I usually tell people follow the 90-10 rule. So 90% of the time you're eating on point, you're making the meals that have the protein, the veggies, the fiber, all of the good things that you can read about on the first page of Google. And then 10% of the time, that's where you enjoy food. That's where you might find things that are extra tasty, extra good. Like I personally love cinnamon toast crunch at at times, Okay. you know, post-workout. Sometimes that's my jam. Other times I'll go crazy on peanut butter, like things like that. So it's really dependent on what's happening, but just try to really, really, really just be aware of 10% of the time you're enjoying life. Just don't go too far overboard, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm curious, you, you talked about, you know, on the lower end of the spectrum, carb wise tends to work for a lot Mm -hmm. of people. I think a lot of people get confused with net carbs. Um, and it can be confused. I remember that when I was diagnosed with type one, I was like, carbs versus net carbs you have to subtract something like it's it can be very confusing especially for somebody who's newly diagnosed or um, wants to learn more so can you explain that a little bit absolutely and so i I remember having the same thing because i was seven when i was diagnosed and everyone's like 
oh, you have to subtract this and do that. And I'm like, I'm seven. Like, I barely can count the carbs <laughs> in the side of the container. Anyway. Yeah. I'm just so, learning subtraction for crying out loud. Exactly. And suddenly <laughs> I had to get real good at like mental math way too quickly. But anyways, that being said, net carbs are basically where there's parts that are classified as carbs. In each food, there's carbs. Carbs can be made up of fiber. They can be made up of different starches, different sugars, whatever. And there's certain things that you can subtract from the total carbs because they don't have an impact on your blood sugar. So a lot of times people say fiber is always like the major key. So if you were to see, um, I'm trying to think of an example. If you were to see like um, crackers or something, and I'm just easy example there, and they have 15 grams of carbs and four grams of fiber, you would technically subtract 15 minus four. Some people throw sugar alcohol into the equation, which I'm not a huge fan of unless you enjoy living on the toilet. Um, but then beyond that, some people throw other things into the equation too, where you can subtract for the most part though. I usually tell people fiber, either subtract it or don't, don't kind of play this weird game of, Oh, I've heard people talk about five grams of fiber is where you have to subtract. Don't get into that. Just one or the other, either subtract it or don't. Um, but that's really the moral of net carbs. And then you just basically would dose based on that. Did that answer your question? Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that if I were just learning about it, I think that would be pretty clear. So how about you, John? I think it makes sense. Believe okay. it or not, nice. I, I'm with it. I'm with it, which is good. Um, so, so Ben, when you get a new, uh, client, someone you're working with, right? Like what are the, the first couple things you want to find out from them to help tailor your, your, your guidance for them? Absolutely. So the first thing I'm going to want to know diabetes or not is how are you eating right now? Because if I don't know how you're eating right now, it's really hard to give you recommendations. Kind of like how you're like, Oh, help me out. And I'm like, oh. You know, right. so if that's the case, I want to know where you're eating at now, kind of get like a distribution of what you're eating, when you're having it, how much you're having to figure out if there's anything glaring that we can either get rid of or that we can add or move around. So, like, for example, and I, I always joke with people, I ask what their non-negotiables are, because there are people out there who have literally said, I really enjoy Oreos and I won't give them up. And I'm like, I'm with you. Oreos are great. But we have to figure out when the best time of day to have them is for your blood sugar. So it's kind of things like that. Like, what are the non-negotiables? What are the things you like? What are the things you don't like? So if you don't like it, I'm not going to make you eat it. Like, that's stupid. And right. how, can I, how can I empower you to be able to make those choices so you can ultimately eat what you enjoy, but also know and understand why you're eating that when you're eating that. So you're able to fuel yourself through the day in the best way possible. Yeah. Awesome. It's amazing how different times of day impact different people differently. That's something I just really didn't, you know, when you, yeah. when you're, when you're diagnosed with type one, it's just kind of like, Oh, you just calculate the carbs and that's it. No, there's so many factors. So I'm, I'm glad there's people like you who can really make that, that clear to, to people with type one and type two that are just coming into the whole fitness and nutrition game. <laughs> but Time of day um, yeah. is so under understated. It's not just like, oh, nutrition timing. I'm in the gym and I need to have my 30, my protein within 30 minutes after the gym, like all that bro science stuff. It's not even that. It's like <laughs> your blood sugar will vary. You could eat the same thing at 7 a.m. versus 4 p.m. and get two very different blood sugar results. Absolutely. So. I, I can, I, can I, confirm. I, I, I will say I did not know that. I, you know, I was... You have this for breakfast, this for lunch, this for dinner, right? Like, you know, 
that's really interesting. I, I didn't know that how important the time end of day was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, hormones. The hormones. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hormones are, are fun, let me tell you. Wait a sec. I thought we had gotten rid of the echo problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> said it right at the same time. Yeah, that, that was, was great. That was very good. Um, so what's, what's that, you know, what's the one piece of advice uh, that you would want people to hear from you when getting into working out and trying to understand and help their nutrition while living with T1D? Like what's the one thing you would want them to take out of this? Like if they remember nothing else, Ben, what's the one thing? What's going to empower them to really just sort of get one, one foot, you know, through the door. That's a really good question. I, I would say the best thing would probably be to try something but don't just try it once. Try it multiple times and then make adjustments from there. Because obviously you're not getting rid of the diabetes diagnosis for better right. or for worse. So if you say, I'm going to go exercise and you do it once, your number of tanks, don't just quit forever on exercise. Say, okay, what did I do this time? How can I change it for next time? And then go out and do it again. And then go out and do it again. And with time, whether it's trial and error, whether it's working with someone like me and my team who are able to help expedite the process, you will be able to figure out what does work for you and what's going to be the best way to exercise, the best way to eat. Just do not give up on it after one or two or three tries. Nice. I like that. I think that's great. I think that's awesome. So So, many people give up so fast. It's unreal. Yeah. Right. I, I, I mean, you see it with everybody, right? Like that's why, you know, maybe not this year, but normally like a gym in January, I can't find a treadmill. But February 5th rolls around and I've got my pick of the litter, right? Because exactly. if people don't see results right away, people stop. So you're saying, be brave, take the first step, but don't give up. It's a process. Just keep going. Object in motion stays in motion. And honestly, I, I tell people, like, I do like a skyscraper analogy. I'm like, every day you're putting a brick on your skyscraper. If you're here and you want to get here, you're not just going to jump. You need to build your way up there and eventually you'll get there. You just That's need to great. constantly give it time and keep on going. I love that. That's awesome. That's a great analogy. That's great. I got to ask, right? Shoot. We are mm-hmm. here as part of the Swealthy podcast mm-hmm. and the people want to know, what do you think about uh, the products RX Sugar's putting out? The syrup is the most amazing <laughs> syrup I've had in my entire life. I actually got really, really distraught the other day because I went to make some pancakes and I didn't have any. And it was very upsetting. But in, in all reality, never had a syrup that tasted so good that did nothing to my blood sugar. And then the actual, um, what is it? I, I never know the name of like what people call the little scooper thing, like the just the regular sweetener. Just Yeah, just the regular sugar. Yeah, the regular the canister sugar. of sugar. Yeah, yeah, the canister. Thank you. Thank yep. you. The canister. That stuff, nothing to my blood sugar. Does not, I've eaten the scoops just to verify if it does anything. Does nothing. And it doesn't overpower you or taste disgusting. So I'm a huge fan. Because uh, you get these other things and it's like, it's so sweet. It like hurts your tongue and it's just nasty. This stuff tastes like actual sugar and it doesn't impact my blood sugar and it tastes, yeah, I'm never going to stop eating it. That's awesome. So if you like the pancake syrup, we have the chocolate syrup. Two ingredient chocolate syrup, our organic RX sugar and organic unsweetened cocoa. And that is it. And it is going to be awesome. Uh, so I think you will love it. I think everybody will love it. Um, so Ben, tell, uh, tell people how they can connect with you. 
I'm still thinking about that chocolate syrup. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, this just sounds so good. So, okay. To connect with me, one place would be Instagram at man of zeal. So M A N O F T Z E E L. My website is your diabetes If you want to connect that way. And that's, those are pretty much the best ways to get a hold of me the fastest. So I would say roll with either of those and I'm just happy to help however I can. That's awesome, Ben. Thank you so much for, for your time and for answering our questions and, and sharing your expertise with us. We, we truly appreciate it. Uh, again, this has been the, the Swealthy Podcast, and, and you can find RX Sugar online at, at www.rxsugar.com. You can uh, find where to buy some RX Sugar for yourself and, and get that pancake syrup that, that Ben has been talking about online. Uh, and uh, if you've got any questions at any point in time, by all means, you can always email us swealthy at rxsugar.com. Swealthy, S-W-E-A-L-T-H-Y at rxsugar.com. Uh, Alexi. Anything you want to say before we, we sign off? Ben's awesome. That's about yes, it. Yes, he is. Yep. Yes, he is. You're very awesome. <laughs> well, Ben, enjoy your long walk on the beach. Uh, I hope you have a, a great rest of the afternoon. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And stay sweet, stay healthy, stay swelthy. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. The Swelthy Podcast by RX Sugar. That's sweet and healthy. Swelthy. Swelthy.